I remember the time, quite a few years ago now, I was still in school and felt like God was leading me to learn more about prayer and what, what prayer really is and how it could function in my life. That prayer wasn't just about me, you know, folding my hands and closing my eyes and saying words to God, but it really was an ongoing conversation. It was a dialogue that God had things he wanted to say and that if I was willing to pay attention that I could hear from him too. And while I was at Fuller Seminary, they had this uh, beautiful little prayer garden and they had set it up in this little courtyard in the corner of campus and they had a fountain that had water running and it sounded like this babbling brook and you could go in at uh, any time of day and sit down on benches that they had provided and just have this quiet respite from the life of school or the busyness of the urban environment and and have time to seek God's presence and to connect with God. And so I was there one evening and it was the time of night where it was beginning to get dark enough that you really could only begin to see silhouettes of other people. And the lights were coming on, but the, the way that they had set up the prayer garden is it stayed dimly lit. And they had benches that went along this, the, the wall, and there was a person on the bench next to me praying as well, but I couldn't really tell who they were because they were just this dark, shadowed silhouette sitting next to me. And so there I am praying, and I'm seeking God, and I, I'm trying to learn more about this thing called prayer. And, and, and sure enough, God speaks to me. Now, it wasn't this audible voice. It was that still, small voice in, in the back of my mind, but it's that those times that you know that you know that that's not me, right? And God says to me, I want you to go to that person next to you and tell them that I have heard their prayer and everything's going to be okay. And I went, what? I don't know who that is. No, but but go to them and tell them I've heard their prayer and everything's going to be okay. And 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 I got afraid and I got I froze and I didn't know what to do and I was resisting. I was like, God, I can't do that. I I don't I don't want to do that. No, you know you you've been asking me, you know, to to learn more about prayer. Well, this is how it works. You know, when I speak, you respond. And I have to confess, I got up and I walked out of the prayer garden. And to this day, I wonder, what was that person praying about? What was it that was so weighing on their heart and on their mind that they were desperately seeking God and an answer from God that I could have been the answer to their prayer? And I am reminded to this day that there are moments like that in our lives. And I come to those moments periodically And I sometimes worry that maybe there's sometimes I'm at those moments and I don't really realize it when God has been working in my life and preparing me. God has been stretching me and developing me and growing me to get me to the point where he wants to introduce me to some new experience in my relationship with him, some greater understanding of how he wants to work in my life. But because I'm afraid, because it's new, because it's different, because I don't know who that person is or what that person's going to think of me, I don't know how to do that, I shrink back and I run away from God because I say, oh, I'm not ready for that. And isn't it true that we all have those moments in our lives when we are dealing with difficult experiences and God is pursuing us 
but we're not sure if we're really willing to respond to what he's asking us to do. We experience moments of failure or regret, missed opportunities to fully trust in God or to choose to walk his path for our lives. And we know that all of those choices, those moments come with consequences. What we choose to do either leads to some small consequences or sometimes it can even be big consequences. And some of us are here today to testify that some of those big consequences hang with you for a lifetime. Many of us also have had those moments where we have responded to God. We have had the courage to follow through and to be obedient to that still, small voice. And when we have said yes to those things that God asks us to do, we find that a whole new door does open to an experience of life that maybe we didn't even know was possible, an understanding of God that was completely eluding us before, a blessing of God's Spirit at work in our lives that maybe we were completely unaware of. And yet in our failures and in our successes, the good news of the gospel is that God's presence is with us in and through all of that and we can have forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection. There's a love out there that transcends all of our failures, all of our weaknesses, all of our brokenness, even those big consequences that hang on to us for a lifetime. God has had power to lift the burden of that off of our shoulders and through his mercy and grace to see us experience new life, new joy, and a lightness in our step at any season that we can turn to him. That's why I believe the Apostle Paul said in Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. On the spiritual journey of our lives, God sometimes brings us to moments in time when choices need to be made. Crossroad moments when God asks us to to choose to follow him and to go from the land that we're familiar with to the land that he will show us to trust in him so that he can bless us, so that he can make us into a blessing to bless others and to find our part in the larger story of the people of faith that began all those many years ago when he called Abraham out to go on this journey of faith that we began to talk about so many weeks ago now. I believe that this is one of those moments in time for me personally. I believe that this is a time of convergence in my life where I look back on years of ministry and walking with God and struggling in my own life, falling flat on my face and getting up again and through all that learning where God is in the midst of that. It seems to me that God has led me to this moment where all of those experiences of life, all of those successes and all of those failures are are ripe for God to use in a new way in ministry here at Faith Covenant Church in Sumner, Washington in 2014. And I have to tell you, I, I, I'm a little fearful that I don't, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to be afraid of what God is, might be wanting to do in and through me and because of that, run away from God again because I have a habit of doing that, as we all do. And in the same way, I believe 
This is one of those moments for Faith Covenant Church. I believe that's why God has called me and Tammy and Lucas here. God has a convergence moment for all of us. All of the things that this church has been through, all of the challenges that this church has struggled with, all of the history that this church carries with it, is primed and ready for a a new thing that God wants to do in and through us. If we're willing to hear God's call and to walk with him on this journey of faith, and I don't want us to miss it. God has prepared this time now for us. He's ready to take us on an exciting adventure together. Not only that, but I think he's uniquely prepared each one of us to bring the gifts that he has put in our lives to be a part of what he wants to give away on behalf of his kingdom to other people. We are standing on the brink of our destiny for this season of our lives. It's important that we understand then that the only thing standing in our way is fear. Because as we have learned, looking through the stories of the people of faith, that the enemy of faith is fear. But you see, we have to be reminded that in Jesus Christ, God has already gone all in for us. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus didn't hold on to divinity as something that he should, you know, grasp. Paul says in Philippians, but instead he emptied himself, making a servant and becoming like a servant. He, he gave up his life to, to, the, to the cross. He gave everything so that we could have this relationship with God and be on this journey. And because he's already all in with us, well, then it stands to reason that his request that we be all in with him is not, is not something new or different. It's following his example. He's teaching us how to be in relationship with him as the living God. It doesn't mean we won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean we won't be afraid at times. It doesn't mean we won't have to work at it. It doesn't mean that we won't get it right the first time or every time. But what it does mean is that in spite of our own shortcomings, in spite of our sins, in spite of all that we've had in our lives before now, God wants us to go all in with him as he leads us from the land that we have known into the land that he wants to show us, our promised land. I believe that's why he told Joshua, when he asked Joshua to lead the Israelites into the promised land in Joshua 1, verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. As we know, the, the people of Israel had been on this long journey with God to this point. And as we talked last week and the week before about how God raised up leaders to lead them out of slavery in Egypt, Moses and then his brother Aaron, He showed up in miraculous ways in the the deepest, darkest moments of the lives of the people of Israel. They were oppressed and in slavery in in a foreign country, and it looked like they were about to be snuffed out altogether and crushed under the weight of the Pharaoh's hatred and evil. But in that moment, God shows up and he provides leaders to lead them out. And they they escape through miraculous means through the parting of the Red Sea and end up out in the wilderness where they are safe from Pharaoh's clutches. 
And God leads them on this journey to the land that he would show them, the land that he had promised to, to Abraham all those years before. And, and we pick up the story when we, when we get into Numbers and into Joshua that he leads them right up to the riverbank of the Jordan River. And right on the other side is the land of Canaan that God had said over and over again, this is the land. And so he says to Moses, hey, pick 12 guys and send them in as spies and go check it out. Tell me if it isn't pretty nice land. So they do. They go in. Then they're scouting around and they're looking and, and they come back and they're like, yeah, this is, this is good property. This is some pretty good real estate. Look at the fruit that we brought back. It's, it's productive. I mean, we could make a living there, but there's some pretty big people that live there. There's some giants in the land, and they have big cities with fortified walls. I don't know if we should go in there, because if we do, we might get killed. We might get snuffed out. Joshua and Caleb were two of those spies, and they said, what are you guys talking about? God has brought us to this moment. We've been walking with him. We've been trusting him. He's been a a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And now you're going to go, we can't go take the land that he's promised us because there's some big people? So what did the people do? They tried to kill Joshua and Caleb. Shh, don't say that. We might have to go do it. And they go to Moses and they start complaining and saying, what is this that you're doing trying to get us to go in and, and take this land that is impossible to take? You're going to get us all killed. In, the, in Numbers, as, as they're wanting to stone Joshua and Caleb and they're coming to Moses, if I can get there in my Bible, <laughs> chapter 14 of Numbers, it says, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? What? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What is it that gets in people's minds that they think the slime and the sludge and the darkness and the evil that they came out of that God had rescued him is somehow better than what God is leading him to? It's fear. It's all fear. Because we don't understand it. We don't know it. We've maybe never experienced it before. And so we shrink back and we become afraid and we say, at least that was familiar. At least we could be comfortable there in an uncomfortable kind of way. At least there we had some meat to eat instead of this manna, which means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was. They had been through in so many difficult circumstances that only served to strengthen them and mature them and prepare them. And yet they come to this moment, and because of fear, they turn back and they want to go all the way back to Egypt where they had just come from. God wasn't too happy. In fact, he said, you know what? Apparently you guys just really aren't ready for this blessing. And so we're going to wait for 40 years. Why don't you go wander around in the desert 
keep eating that manna and, you know, a little quail in the evening, and then we'll wait for this whole generation to effectively die off and a new generation to come up who might be willing to then go into the land. And that's what happened. They had to go and, and, and struggle and, and ask themselves, what did we do? We blew it. We should have gone, but now it's too late. And as God continued to work in them, God was faithful. God continued to bless them. God protected them. And he brought them back and gave them that opportunity again as a people. And when they come back and it's a new generation, a whole new cadre of people are now back at the river, right? They're camped on the bank. And who is God calling to lead them into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb. The two faithful guys who had trusted that God could make it through. Do you understand that Joshua and Caleb were 80 years old when God called them to lead the younger generation into the promised land? See, they needed wise counsel. They needed seasoned veteran experience. They needed people who could encourage them and help them navigate the difficult waters of life and faith and warfare. And is that me? No? It's not me. It's God. (laughs) In Joshua chapter 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, who was Moses' aide, Moses' apprentice, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where, you're, where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. None will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and be very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, Get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And if you know the story, you know that they did go into the river. And again, God miraculously held the waters back and the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant of God into the river and waited in the bottom of the river while all the people crossed over. And God commanded 
Joshua to have one of the leaders of each of the tribe to grab a stone out of the bottom of the river and carry it to the other side and set it up as a memorial and a reminder that where there is no way, God can make a way. And they built an altar to God and they worshiped the power of God to lead them into the things that he had promised he would do. On this journey of faith, it will require courage to face the giants that are ahead. I don't know what the giants are going to be, but they're out there because we have enough people who've been ahead on the road and they can tell you that there are difficulties in life. And I don't know what the, the giants might be for you, but some of them might be how we handle relationship with one another as a faith community. Are we able to do conflict well? Can we speak the truth in love, as Paul said? Or are we going to get in, in, um, you know, relationships where we can't really talk and work things through, and so we have to separate from one another? Some of those giants might involve our relationships at home or within our extended families. Paul talked to Timothy, and he said, if a leader can't manage his own household well, how can he hope to be a leader in in the household of God? And you see, our relationships at home with our, as husbands and wives, and our parenting of our children, and even in our extended families, are, are our ministry first and foremost. It's the foundation upon which we build our lives and do our other ministry. And if we're not healthy in our own family relationships, how can we build a ministry that's going to meet the needs of people out there who don't even know what family is anymore? Some of those giants might involve our preferences on how we think we should do church. As if, you know, our preferences for how we worship or the kinds of songs we sing or the color of the carpet in the worship center have anything to do with what God wants to do to lead us into the promised land and the people he wants to lead us to to make us a blessing to, to impact their lives. If, if we're too afraid to focus on the things of God and we want to focus on our own religiosity, then, then, then maybe we're not ready to go into the promised land. Are those some of the giants that we may have to face as a faith community as we talk about where is God leading us and how are we going to get there? Some of the giants might involve how we organize ourselves for mission and how we structure ourselves as a church. Or they may involve saying no to some really good things in order to say yes to some really great things. And isn't it true that so often as we go with God, he leads us to the point where sometimes he says, you know what? You just really have to say no to that because I have something else in mind that I want you to say yes to and you can't do both at the same time. Sometimes in our own lives, God has been at work challenging us, stretching us, growing us, preparing us for that next thing that he wants to to bless us with and to lead us into, to plunge us into the, the promised land that he's been working into our hearts and into our lives, but we shrink back in fear because we're afraid of what he's asking us to do. It was also a number of years ago, uh, Tammy and I struggled with conversations about where God was leading in her life. She had been a teacher for, for years and years, but she, she had this nagging feeling that somehow there was something more beyond teaching for her, but she, she didn't really know what it was, and so we would have conversations of it. Now, I'm the possibility thinker, right? So I'm throwing out all kinds of ideas and possibilities, and every new idea, she starts to 
get more and more afraid because she thinks that might become an expectation, right? And so she starts to shrink back in fear, and we get to the point where we have to stop talking about it because she just she doesn't know if she can do that. She doesn't know what that would look like. Her credit, over the years, she, she had the courage to stick with it and to keep talking with God and eventually emerged that there was this idea of coaching with gifted students and their families and that that would be something that not only she could do on the side of her teaching, but eventually that might be something she could do as her primary calling and what she did for her work. And so now, in this convergence opportunity for Tammy and I and for our family, God has opened the door for her to have that be this new thing that she's leaning into in her life. And how cool it is to walk with her and see her face, not only the fears of what that means, because you don't understand, as a teacher, in that lifestyle where you have a bell ringing every hour on the hour telling you what you're supposed to do next, going to, you know, all on your own without a safety net, it's, it's, a, it's a huge culture change. But she is so excited about the ways that God is working in that change and, and pointing out those places of anxiety and fear and helping her to go through that. And, and you know what the thing that is most exciting for her, as she reports to me, is that in through all of it, she's excited and, and uh, positive about the future because she knows that God is with her. In every moment of every day, she is more and more aware of how much God is with her because she's focused on that and she's seeking that in her life. And, and it is when we come to the end of our own strength and the end of our own wisdom and the end of our own understanding that God shows up and we can very clearly identify, well, that's God because I know it's not me. That's why I think uh, Paul said to Timothy, who was his protege in 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, uh, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Paul understood it. Timothy got it. You got to be all in with God. As we wrap up this series on a journey of faith, I believe we have been brought to the brink of the Jordan River by God. And he is inviting us to not just put a toe in, but to go all in and get to the other side. And and one of the ways that we're going to begin to do that is the Christmas season is coming. And we know that Christmas and Easter are the two prime opportunities where people who either don't go to church or used to go to church and don't go anymore will, rec- will respond positively to an invitation to come to church. And so if, if those are the two prime opportunities that we have as a faith community to ask somebody to come and they might actually consider saying yes, we're going to take an opportunity to maximize the Christmas season to give as many opportunities for people to say yes to Faith Covenant Church, and ultimately to say yes to faith in Jesus Christ as we can. So the way we're doing that is we are going to be launching on the first Sunday of Advent, November 30th, what we are calling our 2014 Christmas Outreach Campaign. And we have branded the campaign, Discover the Hope of Christmas at Faith Covenant Church. There's going to be a sermon series through the four Sundays of Advent wrapping up on Christmas Eve. We're going to have banners on the side of the building out here announcing to our community that something new is happening and going on at Faith Covenant Church. 
We're going to have events planned throughout that Christmas season that you can invite your friends and your family to. We're, we're printing up invite cards that you can pick up in the lobby and take with you. They're not here yet, but they'll be coming. And you can take them with you and you can give them to friends and family to let them know what's going on, to invite them to come. You can accidentally leave one on the, the coffee table at Starbucks when you're there. You could put one in the, the little folder when you pay your, your bill at the restaurant and, and have, pa- pass that off, but leave a good tip if you do that. Leave a really good tip if you do that. We're going to have uh, a float again this year in the Santa Parade. Our, our kids in Club 45 are, are working to build a float and design it. And what we're going to do is we're going to gather teams of people again to prepare some hot cider that morning on Saturday the 6th and to gather uh, some wagons and some uh, coolers to put the hot cider in. And we're going to go out and we're going to serve hot cider to all the people along the parade route. And the cups are going to have Discover the Hope of Christmas at Faith Covenant Church on the cups as we hand out a cup of hot cider. And then everybody who's a part of the cider is going to gather with the float and we're all going to have scarves and beanies or whatever you feel like wearing that looks like, you know, we're all together, part of the same crowd and we're all going to walk the parade route with the float. And people are going to see that we're out in force as a faith community and that cup that they have in their hand and the banners that are going to go with the float and God's going to go, maybe you should check out what's going on over there. And then we're going to have Jingle Jam where we're going to have three opportunities for families to come and hear through music and drama and fun, you know, uh, energy on the platform, the story of Christmas through a, a very modern and contemporary way. And you can invite people that you know that have kids. And you can come and meet them here and, and say, come to Jingle Jam, I'll come with you. And even if you don't like the music, you can come and invite a friend with kids. And then we're going to have Christmas Eve services the crescendo of the holiday season, the high point where we come and we sing carols and we we sing Silent Night and we light candles and we're going to invite all of our friends and our community to come and hear the story, not only of Christmas, but of the hope of Christmas. God's Son, Jesus Christ, who didn't just come as a little baby, but gave his life for us and is alive again. And we need you to help make this happen. We have sign-up sheets out in the lobby. We need you to go and find an area of service that you can do. And, 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 and there's something for everybody. At minimum, and maybe this is the maximum, you can sign up to pray for this whole Christmas outreach campaign. You can start on the 30th and faithfully pray through the season to Christmas Eve and even Christmas Day and what God will do through all of our efforts to reach out to our community. Because men and women, again, it's all about making disciples. It's all about reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. If we just come in Sunday after Sunday and sing praise to God, but go about our lives and never join forces together as a team to say, we're going to throw open the doors on this thing and we're going to cast the net out into the community because God has a lot of fish that he wants to catch, then we're missing a whole experience of how God wants to bless us and use us. And the other thing that we're doing is we're not just going to, you know, throw a a Christmas party for people. We're already planning on how we're going to invite them to come back after Christmas. And in January and in February and in March, we're going to provide opportunities for them to get connected and build relationship 
and find community and get into small groups. And our, our Faith Covenant Orientation Dinner that we're having this next week is our first-run practice at having something that is our first-step experience for new people to come and say, oh, I can go to dinner and meet some of the staff and the leaders. And so we can begin to see that God is beginning to plant those seeds. God is giving us things that we can begin to do, boots on the ground, things that you can participate in to help us find out what this means, that God is calling us forward on this journey of faith. Okay, can you tell I'm excited about Christmas Outreach 2014? I, I would like to close this morning with an invitation. I, I, I felt and have felt for a while pretty strongly that God was inviting us at the end of this series to respond to his invitation in the same way that he invited the Israelites to respond to his invitation those many years ago when Joshua called them to cross the Jordan River and enter the Promised Land. I don't know what God's been doing in your heart or in you in these recent weeks and through this series. I don't know what the giants are that you face in your life. I don't know what the giants are that we're going to face together, but, but I feel pretty strongly that, that this is a critical moment for us as a faith community and that God is inviting us to say yes to him and to say we are all in with you on this journey of faith in wherever you lead us. And so if you feel that drawing from God, if you have felt like God has been talking to you in some unique way through this series, and you feel like this is a moment where God is inviting you to respond, to stand and say yes to being all in with God, I'm, I'm going to invite you to do that in just a moment. Now, this isn't one of those things where I'm trying to guilt everybody into standing and, you know, manipulate you. I, I genuinely want you to stand if you feel God has been doing this in your heart. Because I feel like God wants to offer a word of blessing and a commissioning of you and I this morning for the purposes for which he's calling us. So if that's you, no guilt or shame to stay seated, but if that's you, if you're feeling that drawing, even if you don't understand what it is, but, but it's clear to you that God is calling you to say yes, I want you to invite you to stand right now this morning and say, I am called to be all in with God in this journey of faith in this season. Praise God. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Please be seated, and would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you that your faithfulness and your courage for us 
inspires us to respond in ways that lead us to new experiences and to new heights. God, would you weave us together in ways that before maybe we didn't understand were possible for us? Would you give us hearts for our community in maybe ways that we didn't really feel before? God, would you give us insight to see the world around us through your eyes? And as you call us into this promised land, may, may you bless us, not only for us, but so that we too can be a blessing to our community and those that you would call us to serve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.